This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today's topic is budget friendly ways to entertain your grandkids this summer. <laughs> I think that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> My little grandson is five years old. And um, when we get together, we're always looking for fun things to do. And some of them cost some money, but there are some ways that I've been scoping out that are a little bit more budget friendly. And with me today, I have Kelsey Banky. Kelsey's a CFP at Stirk Financial Services. Welcome, Kelsey. Thanks, Mary. You know, this topic just put a smile right on my face because I love creative ways to spend time with kids. And, and I think that comes down from my grandparents were great at it. My mom was great at it. We, I, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. You know, we, we suffered from the, the farm crisis in the 80s. And my mom and my grandparents got so creative on how to keep Absolutely, all of us yeah. little kids entertained. Yep. And when I say all of us, there were a lot. <laughs> of us. So um, I'm really excited to talk about this topic. So a lot of our listeners out there are grandparents um, like me, but a lot of our listeners are also parents of small children like Kelsey is. And so some of these things are going to be able to um, cross over from generation to generation, no matter who you are, if you're spending some time with a young child this summer. All right. So one of the things that um, when we kind of put this list together of budget-friendly ways to do it, it's involving um, like game theory, right? So thinking about how to spend time with your grandkids or your kids, but make it a game. And one of the ideas that we saw was a treasure hunt. Now, a treasure hunt in and of itself can be kind of fun. And the old idea of a scavenger hunt is a fun idea. But the idea that we have that makes it really budget-friendly is to make it a nature treasure hunt. And so if you are going to go somewhere that's a nature center or go somewhere that's more of a wooded area or go to a park or something like that, if you can create a list of all the things that they can find in nature that's part of the scavenger hunt, that's free. And it also doesn't involve your children or grandchildren talking to strangers to find what they need to find. <laughs> Absolutely. And and don't forget, in a child's mind, the world is this magical place. So even though something might just like we'd go hiking in my grandparents' timber area every summer. And it's, I mean, it's literally just a couple acres of wooded area. There's nothing hugely special about it. But if a tree would have fallen across um, a valley between two of the, the hills, that was a bridge that we could walk across <laughs> and you had to be able to do it without falling. And and to this day, I mean, we took my, my son with my grandparents out there and did that. There's this giant rock that got left on the property from a glacier. And so we always had to find the giant rock. So keep in mind, it doesn't have to be magical to you, but you can make a lot of things magical for kids. And I think there's a lot of magic to be found in nature. Absolutely. So think about doing a nature oriented treasure hunt <laughs> on the days when the weather is nice. Now thinking about the days when the weather might not be so nice, um, movie marathons are kind of a fun idea to do with grandchildren. And it depends on the age of your grandchildren about how long they can keep their attention. But one of the fun ideas that we came up with that's budget friendly is to organize a movie marathon with other people that have other kids, your your kids' age, and, and make it like a round robin house to house thing. So let's just say that maybe it was the Harry Potter series of movies. Maybe you watch it at one, first movie at one house and you 
you have a certain kind of snack and then you go to the next person's house and you watch the second movie and have a certain kind of snack and then kind of round robin and around like that. Super budget friendly way. I mean, all you're really spending money on is some snacks and renting some movies. And keep in mind, we all have the benefit of this wonderful tool called Pinterest. <laughs> um, and, and they have a, a lot of really great ideas on how to very inexpensively amp up the fun. So, I mean, the stuff they can do with toilet paper rolls and pipe cleaners and extra paper is just amazing. So if you need something to make it a little bit more exciting for some of those older kids, look for ideas on there too that have things that you can come up with inexpensively. The snacks itself can kind of be a fun thing in and of itself, right? So um, <clears throat> when I was a youngster and we would visit my grandparents, they had an old fridge out in an outbuilding on their farm. And every single day we got to go out in the afternoon and we could pick out one soda. <laughs> soda, pop, whatever you want to call it. We called it soda when I was growing up. But you could pick out one soda a day. And like going out there and then making the selection of your soda was such a big deal because they had orange and they had grape and they had cola and they had big red. And I don't even know if people know what I'm talking about when I say big red, <laughs> but that was like the bomb diggity of sodas to be able to go out and get one of those big reds before all my brothers and sisters did. <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of funny that that's what sticks in my mind is like the soda of the day was a huge deal. And something is, uh, you know, we don't think about that because there's so much plenty in our lives right now. And it's so easy to just to hand your kids something. And I'm not you know, saying soda is a great thing to give your youngsters, but that was a big deal for me. And um, it's something that can create memories on a super low budget when you're trying to think about how you want to. Popsicles wanna... too. That's, that's yeah. the win in my house. Like <laughs> you get the giant box of those plastic freeze pops and one a day and that kid is very, very thrilled. So <laughs> another thing that um, is kind of fun to do when you think about summertime that's low budget is, of course, people like to spend time at the pool or at the beach. Right. And um, sometimes just the um, endless days of swimming are good enough. And sometimes it's good to have some additional entertainment value propped into there. And one of the best ideas that we came up with for low budget ways to spend time with your grandkids is to have a sandcastle building contest at the beach. Um, some of the local pools even might have a sandy area that you can do that too. And if you get real creative with it, you know, when you start talking about moats and you start talking about towers and castles and maybe even bring some action figures to play within those sandcastles, it gets really fun with those little kids. I was going to say for $1 at the, the dollar store in town, you can get a whole pack of little uh, animals from like the zoo. And I, my son would just go nuts trying to figure out where to put all those little animals on a sandcastle. So yep. for some free sand and a dollar <laughs> pack of animals, you've got a whole afternoon. Yep. And then water games at the pool are also fun and pretty um, low impact on us as we get older as grandparents, right? You only need three people to pay Marco Polo. <laughs> so when you are thinking about how to spend time with them at the pool, just thinking about some of those interactive things is a really good idea. I'm, I'm just a big fan of getting kids outside and away from video games all summer. And, you know, it's, it's easy to have them spend time playing video games. And I don't think there's anything wrong with them doing that a little bit. But I'd sure rather have that interaction and to be able to find inexpensive ways to do it is a lot of fun. Absolutely. When you think about the things that make, made your childhood great, 
you know, video games weren't really a big thing when I was a kid. So they were just starting to, to be coming out. But, uh, you know, I had the most fun just outside playing, using my imagination, finding new stuff. So keep that, keep that up with your kids. One of the things that I really enjoyed when I was little was being read to. And there's a lot of different things that you can do with that. Um, you can have a story hour in your own home. Um, when I was young, my mom would read us stories while we worked on like different craft projects or coloring or things like that. And she'd read my siblings and I all the same story while we were all kind of messing around working on stuff. Um, but now they have different story hours for kids at local bookstores. So for instance, Barnes and Noble has story hours in their kids book area. And then the kids can look at the books, you know, different books while they're there. That's actually a really good way to pass an afternoon. Yeah, we, we used to go to the library and spend mm -hmm. an entire morning at the library. And there were, um, I had three sisters and we're all very close in age and that entertained four different ages of kids. And, and it was exciting. And I've seen things now recently at the libraries is to read a thousand books over the summer or something yep. like that. Awesome. It's a challenge. The kids have something to grow to. You can set different, um, challenge points along the way that if they get to the hundred bookmark, they, you can do something special or they get a special prize and keep, uh, encouraging them to read and read and read because that's a whole nother way to explore the world or other worlds even, um, is to read books and to learn and, um, kids who read a lot of books, there's tons of studies out there that they are going to most likely do better in school just because they've had that extra literacy exposure. Right. So not only is it low budget and inexpensive, but it's an incredible educational experience and a great connective experience. My grandma would read us um, a series when we would go visit her and it was called the Campfire Girls. That was my favorite series. And I will tell you that my mom reading to me and my grandma reading to me as I was growing up gave me a love of reading, which continues to this day. I also think that that gave me a better command of vocabulary, a broader vocabulary for when I'm speaking. And it also gave me the ability, I think, to write. And speaking of writing and speaking of bookstores, <laughs> later today, we actually have a book signing that I'm doing at Barnes & Noble in Sioux City, Iowa from 1 to 3. So if you're listening to this, hop on out to Barnes & Noble this afternoon. Come on out and have a cup of coffee on me and um, get, a, get a book and get it signed. And we'd love to meet you and put a face with some of the listeners. And um, then my new book, Ready to Pull the Retirement Trigger, will be signing from 1 to 3 this afternoon. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stark. And today we're talking about budget-friendly ways to entertain your grandkids this summer. So we've talked about a number of different things. Um, I'm going to go back to the movie idea for just a minute. A lot of communities have um, either free movies or they have low-cost movies where it's not going to feel like you had to take out a small loan to take your family to the movies. <laughs> so my recommendation with that is just check out what the local deals are. I mean, a lot of them have older movies, but your kids like the experience of going to the theater. Um, and then movies in the park is also a really kind of fun experience. And a lot of communities have movies in the park that are free. And um, that's just kind of a whole different kind of neat experience to go, you know, have with your family. Here's another one real quick. Uh, getting, getting a lot of bang for your buck. So if we drove an hour 
um, from my home, we could go to a drive-in movie theater, and they always showed a double feature for so for the, really the price of one movie, we got two movies plus a drive-in movie theater when you're a kid is like it's the coolest <laughs> thing ever. Right. I'm gonna watch movies from the back of my car. And it's it, like there's bugs and like cool stuff. And like the one we went to had corn surrounding it and it all, oh, it was the coolest thing ever. So if you're going to spend the money on it, then look for even, even more um, value in it by getting a couple movies included or something like that. But again, kids find the world to be a very wonderful place. <laughs> so one of the things you can do with kids who are a little bit older is something that's um, kind of new. You might not have heard about it before and it's called geocaching. And geocaching is kind of a takeoff on an idea of the treasure hunt. But a geocaching is a technology-driven scavenger hunt that basically you play with strangers. Okay, so it's tying into the kids who, you know, maybe have apps on their phones who are a little bit older. And basically, they're little treasures hidden in your area by other players they're usually left in a small waterproof container. And when you follow the clues to find the geocache that you're trying to get to, when you find it, you make a note in the logbook that you have found it, and then you're on to another clue. So kind of take a look and Google out there in your community if there's any geocaching um things that are out there or groups that are out there. It's kind of an odd little thing to tie into that most people don't even know exists. My mother-in-law actually got into this with the, uh, my niece and nephew, and it, it is really fun because uh, you never know what you're going to find. You never know where you're going to find it. Um, a mm -hmm. lot of times it's parks or um, sometimes on the side of the road in the country, which is, I mean, they're from Missouri. There's a lot more country where they're <laughs> from. And it's just, you know, in the, in the school playground, I, There's you just never know where you're going to find it on the park bench on the downtown square. And it's fun because people walking by have no clue what you're doing, right? But you're finding this treasure, <laughs> so uh, it is a little a little bit more on the tech side. But there's um, apps and websites out there that you can go to and see what's in your area and then look for them. So another thing that we find is a great budget-friendly way to entertain your grandkids in the summer is to involve food. And that can come in a number of different ways. So fruit picking has become something that is um, kind of a, a fun thing that people can do with their families and um, gardening and even going to the farmer's markets. And the reason I'm saying that is because there's a big push now for healthy eating. There's a big push for organic types of foods. And to be able to take your grandchildren or your small children through an experience where it's basically nature to table is a really good learning experience for them. Plus, it's oftentimes fairly inexpensive if you've grown some of this stuff yourself. Some of my most fun memories growing up have to do with being in the garden with my grandma or being in the kitchen with the harvest with my grandma. And, um, you know, it's fun at first, then sometimes it's a little bit of work, but if you have some, <laughs> if you have some, uh, creativity, you can keep kids really into it. And to this day, my sisters and I all laugh because we just want to go to grandma's garden and pull a kohlrabi out of the ground and just start eating it. That was like such a special treat to eat something we literally just pulled out of the ground. Um, and most people don't even like the taste of it, but I do because I grew up on it. But um, do not overestimate or overlook that option because it will be something kids remember. Another thing connected to food that's often fun and very low budget is to have a baking day. And what I mean by that is to involve your grandkids in looking through cookbooks, especially ones that have lots of fun pictures, and letting them help you figure out what you want to bake 
getting the ingredients for it and then having a special baking day. And, um, you know, creating something from scratch is not something that kids often do anymore, especially in these days of prepackaged cookies or, you know, easy to go buy off the shelf things. And so creating something from scratch like that, not only does it give you a wonderful experience of time spent together, there's usually some delicious morsels at the end of it for everyone to enjoy, but you might even inspire a lifelong love of baking or cooking in one of your grandchildren or children. All right. Another thing that kids love clearly is pets. Pets are something that most kids just delight in and often easily relate to. So finding a farm to visit or a nearby petting zoo or your local zoo is a great idea. But if your kids are a little older, one of the things that's a fabulous idea to do with them is to volunteer at your local humane society and to go help take care of some of the animals. Um, You can volunteer to do some dog walking. You can volunteer to just pet the cats. I know that sounds funny, but you can just go in and pet cats for an afternoon. And what a wonderful afternoon that can be. We totally (laughs) did that. You know, we we would go to the Humane Society. My sisters and I would ask, can we go see the the kitties and the puppies? That's We'd always ask that, and that meant go to the Humane Society. The other thing is... um, there's animals all around us anyway. So we would go to a local cemetery, had a pond with some swans and ducks, and we would take bird seed and go feed them. Um, and that's completely free. So uh, again, any kind of animal will get your kids excited and um, finding ways to finding them wherever you can is, is a great thing too. Now for older kids, teaching them how to drive might be a... Um, kind of exhilarating experience or kind of a terrifying experience. (laughs) I don't know. But I know that my grandpa taught me how to drive a stick shift. So my parents had taught me how to actually drive, but that was with an automatic. And I have a very clear memory of going out with my grandpa in his old stick shift pickup and him teaching me how to drive that vehicle. And I will tell you that to this day, I am so thankful that he did because not everybody knows how to drive a stick. And I feel like that's a very valuable um, piece of knowledge to have because you never know when that's going to be the only vehicle available and you're going to have to get in there and know how to drive that. (laughs) They say now in America, having a stick shift car is the best security system you can have for your vehicle. (laughs) Because it is a lost art. Um, And and I I laugh with Mary because... When we talk about, you know, thinking of memories from childhood, I'm I'm like, oh, my memories are all going to be pretty rural because I grew up in the country on farms. All of my family have century farms um, behind them. And so Mary was taught how to drive a stick shift car. I was taught how to drive a tractor. (laughs) (laughs) And that was uh, very exciting because you're on this giant piece of equipment and you're going through the middle of a field and... uh, Luckily, there's a lot of space, so if you're not too straight in driving, you can you can resolve that and not take out anything too big. But uh, yeah, anything where kids are learning some additional responsibility makes them feel very grown up. As a total aside, part of that memory with my grandpa was I didn't grow up with anybody who chewed tobacco, um, but my grandpa did, and he had his spit cup right there in the truck. And so the goal of learning to drive the stick shift was to not be so bumpy that you knocked over the spit cup. Oh my God. <laughs> Okay, you might have just topped me. (laughs) 
So, all right. Another idea that's kind of fun to do with um, your grandkids that's very budget friendly is to write a story together. And there's different ways that you can do this. So you can each, you know, you can have them dictate to you what to write and you can write it down. You can, um, you come up with a paragraph and then they come up with a paragraph. You can have one day where you add a chapter and one day where they add a chapter. You can have them kind of dictate the storyline and do the illustrations. So there's a lot of different ways to engage your kids, especially when it's either rainy outside or too hot to go outside, or if they're just kind of tired from the other activities. You can kick off a story, create a goofy character uh, at the start of an adventure, and then let their little minds take it from there. And that's a really fun, fun thing to do. Um, when my youngest son was growing up, he had a series of characters that were puppies versus kitties. And we have a whole set of books that he wrote when he was like six or seven years old and illustrated that are about these puppies versus the kitties. And they're, they're these just super precious memories that we have together. Uh, another thing to keep in mind is, and I'm a big supporter of this, cities and communities are always trying to offer fun things or educational things or very inexpensive things for their citizens to do. And so look in your local newspaper, look on websites. Um, I know here we can, I can go to the local newspaper and look up their community calendar and it is literally stocked full of things for people to do um, for, like I said, either very inexpensively or free um, and every topic you could ever want. I mean, there's murder mystery games for teenagers. There's um, kids yoga in the park on Saturday mornings. Uh, anything you could ever want is going to be probably in there. Um, and, and the really important thing on that is if you want your community to do things, you need to make sure you're going out and supporting what they are doing so that they want to do more for um, if they see positive results and they see positive turnout, they'll keep doing those things, but you have to support it. Um, but if you're not sure where to look, look in the newspaper, look in the websites, look on community calendars, um, look on the, the news sites, community calendars, and there is lots and lots of activities for you to do with your grandchildren. Fantastic, Kelsey. So thanks for listening. We know that summer can get really expensive when you have kids or when you have grandkids um, around. And the cost of the vacations, the summer camps, or the extra daycares can, can really put a strain on budgets. And so these are some great inexpensive ways, budget-friendly ways, to entertain your grandkids this summer. Come out and see us at Barnes & Noble this afternoon from 1 to 3. And uh, pick up a copy of my new book and uh, enjoy some time at the bookstore. Come have coffee on us. We'd love to see you there. And thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stark. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Insurance offered through Sturk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial. Sturk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dunes, South Dakota 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555.